Actually, just to give you a background on, on why I started doing improv, it's really because I have bad anxiety. And to be honest, I went into improv because I wanted to train myself just to have a habit of kind of facing my fears and scaring mm. myself a bit until it becomes normal. I guess that's the, the approach I was trying to take. Because usually what gives me anxiety is uncertainty. Mm. So in my mind, if I'm uncertain enough times, I learn to not be anxious. And then when I got into improv, I guess that's exactly what I got. So every time you're supposed to go into a scene, you're not sure what's going to happen because you don't have a script. But you just need to get up there and do it because everyone's waiting for you to just stand up and do it. So mm-hmm. you just learn to let yourself go and just yeah. just be and you know just hope for the best. So I guess with improv, I was able to do that enough times to the point that I am less scared of uncertainty now mm-hmm. because most times that I went into a scene, everything turned out well. And actually, in the times that it didn't turn out well, I actually learned a lot and I became a better improviser in my next scene. After the worst happens, how much worse can it get, right? So mm-hmm. it kind of takes the edge off the, the fear mm-hmm. because um, whether you do well or whether you bomb, it's like, I mean, it's so low stakes and most times things turn out well anyway. So now like I cling to improv like it's therapy for me mm. just because it reminds me that even if I don't plan out everything to the T, things will go well. Hola, everyone. Welcome to the Encourage to Try podcast. My name is Mia and I will be the one to lovingly encourage you to try and continue on the journey of trying. This podcast is for those who are trying whether at work, school, relationships, faith, fitness, business, basically figuring out life. So tune in to the podcast as we talk about these topics and encourage one another to try together. Also, if you are interested in the episode show notes or if you just want to leave feedback, questions, suggested topics, the links are found in the episode description. So please do check it out. Hi, Glenn and Renzi. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Hello, Mia. We're happy to be here. I am glad you're here. So to start off the podcast, can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Well, I'm, I am Glenn's wife. I am also currently the executive director of a nonprofit called Cartwheel Foundation. So it's a NGO that uh, provides preschools to indigenous communities around the Philippines. We're here because we're improv enthusiasts, mm-hmm. both my husband and I. So we're just excited to share the joy of improv to everyone. And to to also, I guess, de- demystify what it is, because some people tend to think that it might might think it's like stand-up comedy or like sketch comedy, yung parang bubble gang, but it's not exactly that. My name is Glenn Tuazon. I am a lawyer by day. I am a partner in one of the top three or five law firms in the Philippines. I am, however, more than just a lawyer. I don't want to be defined as that. I am a music enthusiast. I collect 
records, I play the guitar. I think I like to sing, but I'm not as good a singer as my wife. I also am a quizzing slash trivia enthusiast. My goal is to learn 20 new things a day, and I compete in world quizzing competitions. I am also into improv, and that's something that uh, I got into because Rancy got into it almost a decade before I even tried it out. Then we found ourselves in New York. You're kind of like in the mecca of performing arts and theater and improv. And I'm like, what's there to lose? Might as well try it out. So I was encouraged to try it. And I did. And now we're both doing improv together. And that's our activity as a couple. I would just want to shed a light to what Rancy said, like demystifying what improv is. So for this episode, we'll be talking about like what is improv and how improv helped you in your day-to-day life and as a couple, right? Because in your day job, it's completely different from improv. Like Glenn is a lawyer and Renzi is an executive director of a nonprofit. So it's completely far from improv. Can you define to us what is improv and why improv? What do you like about it? For me, I define improv as an expressive art form that's accessible to to every person. And it's an art form where at least two people create scenes together uh, on the spot without a script. Basically, two people, at least two people, it could be more, but two people show up on stage and you're supposed to create a scene for your enjoyment and for the audience's enjoyment. I think for a lot of people, that sounds scary, but that sort of skill can be learned. And that's why there are schools such as Third World Improv, where the three of us went. Yeah, And that was through Zoom, right? We all met through Zoom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to pick up on what Renzi said. She said it sounds scary. And to be honest, like I told you that I just jumped into it. I went to this um, fantastic improv school called Magnet Theater in New York, where Renzi also went. And I just jumped in. I had no expectations. I was super scared, probably also because I was the only non-Caucasian person in my group. And English is my second language. Everybody spoke it more fluently than I did. But then after maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes, it just clicked that everyone is so supportive. Sometimes you will struggle. Sometimes there are weeks you're just out of it. But it's just a supportive, encouraging community wherever you go, whether in Third World Improv, Magnet Theater, um, UCB, Second City, all of these other improv schools around the world. Um, They're super supportive. And then I just want to touch on what Ren said, that it's something that you can learn. I think For me, it's something that people can relearn. Because if you remember when we were all kids, you're just in the playground and then you're like, okay, let's play house house or cops and robbers. It's not as if, you know, you're going to assign everybody a role. You're the cop, you're the robber. And then in this scene, you're going to chase after the other person. No, everything was super spontaneous when we were playing pretend as kids. And I think when we become adults, you you mentioned in our professions, I'm a lawyer. So when I come into a hearing, I need to be prepared. I need to know what questions I want to ask the witnesses. I need to know what documents I'm marking. I need to know what to tell the judge so that she doesn't get mad at me. So we kind of get trained into 
planning out our days, planning out what to say, rehearsing in our minds to the dot, to the crossing of the T's, to the dotting of the I's, what, what exactly we want to craft language-wise. And then improv is just fun because you have to unlearn that and you have to relearn how you were as a kid. Where, you know, you don't go into the playground nervous that you don't know what to do, how to play. Because really, it's playtime as adults. Yeah, I love what you said. Like, it feels like you're a kid again, like in terms of improv. Because as an introvert, like for me, I was really scared when I entered improv. Especially, I did not know what to expect. Just like what Renzi said earlier, I thought improv was just for comedy. Like through improv, I don't know how to use humor. So in terms of that, I was really scared. I was really out of my comfort zone when I entered improv. Because when I entered improv, it was out of curiosity what it is. Because it's something new for me. Especially for someone who is scared of people, scared of talking to strangers, especially through Zoom. It's completely different when you're there and talking to people and especially doing different types of characters and not knowing what to expect, just like what you said, Blen. We are all trained to plan ahead. But in this aspect, I think it it removes the stress that you have to be prepared, but you have to also prepare yourself on what to not expect, but jump into the opportunity of that. Exactly. And I wanted to I wanted to zero in on one thing you said now you're an introvert. Because mm-hmm. between me and Renzi, we're actually polar opposites. Um Renzi is an introvert who learned how to be an extrovert. And mm-hmm. then I'm an extrovert who learned how to be an introvert, especially because of the pandemic. And I guess it just goes to show that you don't need to be a certain type of person mm-hmm. to do this activity. Yeah. And Actually, just to give you a background on, on why I started doing improv, it's really because I have bad anxiety. And to be honest, I went into improv because I wanted to train myself just to have a habit of kind of facing my fears and scaring mm-hmm. myself a bit until it becomes normal. I guess that's the, the approach I was trying to take. Because usually what gives me anxiety is uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So... In my mind, if I'm uncertain enough times, I learn to not be anxious. And then when I got into improv, I guess that's exactly what I got. So every time you're supposed to go into a scene, you're not sure what's going to happen because you don't have a script. But you just need to get up there and do it because everyone's waiting for you to just stand up and do it. So you just... Learn to let yourself go and just yeah. just be and, you know, just hope for the best. So I guess with improv, I was able to do that enough times to the point that I am less scared of uncertainty now mm-hmm. because most times that I went into a scene, everything turned out well. And actually, in the times that it didn't turn out well, I actually learned a lot and mm-hmm. I became a better improviser in my next scene. So, for example, like there was this show I did before and I think I went in, I was super nervous. So I forgot a lot of the improv principles that they taught us in class. So I just bombed that uh, show. And it was the show where like I had 10 friends who who watched me. Mm -hmm. So I was really embarrassed. But then after that, after the worst happens... How much worse can it get, right? So mm. it kind of takes the edge off the the fear. Mm. 
mm-hmm. because um whether you do well or whether you bomb it's like I mean, it's so low stakes and most times things turn out well anyway. So now like I cling to improv, like it's therapy for me mm. just because it reminds me that even if I don't plan out everything to the T, things will go well. Yeah, I, I can really relate to what you've shared, especially as introverts. It was very much comforting for me, for my experience, knowing that like Renzi, you're an introvert and then Glenn... You're an extrovert and you're both married. <laughs> like for me, it wow, it is possible. Like for both couples to be complete opposites from one another. And at the same time, whenever I see you guys perform during our improv classes, I don't see the hint of Frenzy being an introvert and Glenn not knowing how to be an introvert himself. Yeah. But rather it's com- it's a completely different world that we enter in when we try improv. Because we play a certain character or characters that we're not usually that every single day. Like for me, I'm very much reserved. I'm shy. Again, introvert. I'm scared of talking. I'm scared of expressing myself or not knowing how to express myself through words or even actions or using my hands or my body language. But in terms of improv, I learned a lot just by watching you guys, like in especially like the other students. But It's very comforting, like what you said, Glenn, the community of, in the improv community, it's very comforting to know that no one judges you, even when you make a mistake. Because just like Renzi said, there is nothing worse that could happen aside from you being able to know that you're capable of something that you didn't know before. Like you were able to do something that you were scared before, but now you're scared of it less. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just love what you've shared. Right, right Mia, you, the, the, maybe the scariest part of it, uh, well, since we did improv through mm-hmm. Zoom, is just the moment where you're going to click camera on. <laughs> right? Because that, that's just the threshold that you have to cross. But once you press camera mm-hmm. on, you know that whoever's on the screen with you, or if it's in person, whoever's on mm-hmm. stage with you, they're going to give you gifts in mm-hmm. terms of Maybe if we're playing a scene together, me, I'm just going to say, mm. Mommy, can you take me to school using daddy's jeepney? Even from just that one sentence, you know you're a mom, you know you mm-hmm. have like a curious child, you know you're married to a jeepney driver. And mm-hmm. that's super fun. You're like, oh, I never thought I'm going to play the wife of a jeepney driver today. So mm-hmm. that's just the discovery, the support, the gifting, mm-hmm. um, the interplay I guess energizing mm-hmm. and I guess this is the extrovert in me coming mm-hmm. out you, you mentioned that Mia yeah, um, yeah. but but in a way as well sometimes you can play reserved timid downtrodden characters a completely different character completely than you completely different right and you know I'm super talkative but I can like be a silent monk mm-hmm. <laughs> in one mm-hmm. scene and I actually did that in, 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 in one of my improv shows before mm-hmm. I think uh, going back to what Glenn said, it's playtime for adults. So I think a lot of us adults are so stressed because we Mm. forget that we all have an inner child in us. I mean, that's something I learned from my therapist. A lot of the raw emotions that drive us are really because when we're faced with certain situations that are stressful, it's usually our inner child that reacts to that situation. 
So and it's rooted to our childhood experiences. So so it's very powerful to acknowledge that child in you and let it play. But you know there aren't a lot of venues for mm. for adults to actually play because you're just branded as you know silly and childish. Mm-hmm. So I think improv is one of those safe spaces where where you can have playtime as an adult, mm. whether you're a mom. Like a a grandma, like any any age at all, like a teenager, you can all be be children again mm-hmm. in a sense, and that's actually very powerful psychologically. Like every time we log on to Zoom for improv after a long day, like a long stressful day, after like two hours of improv we immediate, immediately feel refreshed. It doesn't feel like two hours though. It doesn't feel, yeah, yeah it doesn't feel like two hours. <laughs> so there, like going back, it's it's mm. it's like therapy for me. Yeah, really. I love what you said, Renzi. Like after, I, I really do feel that, especially when we do, like first thing that we do is we do check-ins. We check on each other where we are mentally, emotionally, and how our day was. And usually, like majority of what we share, like it was a very stressful day, like from work, from doing errands and a lot of things. And after improv, we do another check-in. Like we all feel refreshed. We were all we all feel joyful in that we are glad that we had that time together to just be ourselves and putting our guards down and not being stressed about feeling judged or being labeled mm-hmm. or stereotyped to what we do or who we are in our day-to-day life. And I think one of the major rules in improv is yes end. Whenever you do a yes end scene with your partner, like like what Glenn said earlier and demonstrated, like you don't know who you are until the person or your scene partner tells you who you are and what or vice scene, versa or, or vice versa exactly. And then during that, you just have to you know ride the wave of what was started. Yeah. This is the important lesson that I've also learned, just like what you shared, Glenn and Renzi, earlier before, that you have to be comfortable with not knowing what to expect. Mm. And with that, with what you've shared, how did improv help you as individuals and how are you able to use improv in your day-to-day life, in your job, in your marriage, in your interactions with other people? Well, going back to being comfortable with uncertainty. So I think um, it teaches you that you don't have to face the uncertainty alone. Mm. So you always have a scene partner. So you you can't, uh, at least in the improv world, you can't do a scene alone. You always have a scene partner who you collaborate with to to build a world, basically. When you set up a scene, you're just two people. But once you start adding a... A detail to the scene and then your scene partner responds by adding more details which is essentially yes end yes ending each other then you start building building a world around you that you can interact in so i think that's a very powerful lesson in life as well i think a lot of us always feel like we have to face something alone and we forget that there are people around us who are so willing to help but you know we're just afraid to ask them so yeah one of the one of the biggest things about improv is really that collaboration bit and for me coming from the corporate world which is very um known to be quite cutthroat the nice thing about improv is 
you're all trained to yes and each other. You're all trained to support each other. And I think that's what's lacking in some of the workplaces that I've been to. There's no rule that you all have to collaborate. Like they will they will keep saying, "Oh, we should collaborate, we're a team, blah blah blah." But a lot of people will have their own self-interest. There are people who think that they need to compete with you because their resources are scarce. And in in improv, there's none of that. You're actually discouraged to negate your scene partner. So if I tell Glenn, cook the spaghetti, he al dente, ma'am. Yeah. So it has to be like immediately. There's there's spaghetti there. Even like we agree, there's spaghetti there. So he can't be like, no, I don't see any spaghetti. I mean, that example is so silly, but. That's essentially the collaboration bit that yeah. that I think the most important part in improv is you have to be able to listen to your scene partner, right? And you have to be present in the moment, right? In order for right. you to continue on with the story, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. if you start having your own agenda and you start zoning out pre-planning and thinking of what you're going to say next instead of listening to your scene partner, then the scene falls apart. So, for example, with the scene earlier, so Glenn says, al dente, ma'am. And then what if I wasn't listening I'll, and, I'll, and I don't acknowledge what he says and I'll be like, oh, you should wash the dishes. Then there's a disconnect because I didn't acknowledge that he said, he acknowledged the pasta, he acknowledged it's al dente. I sudden, I'm suddenly going to the kitchen and be like, wash the dishes. So there's a disconnect there. And I guess going back to that corporate example that I have where, I mean, I've experienced a lot of times where people really have their own agenda. So most times like i didn't feel supported by my bosses for example like that those kinds of environments can learn from improv because in in improv i really saw that if you yes and if you listen and if you if you believe that you don't have to compete in order to get to a goal then everything works out great without any stress so why can't that kind of culture be translated in the workplace And then for me, when whenever I am at the at the head of a team, that's the kind of culture that that I want. I want to create a safe space for 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 my employees. I don't want them to feel like they have to compete with me mm-hmm. or with their colleagues. Like you I don't want them, collaboration. Yeah, yeah collaboration, mm-hmm. listening to each other. So basically, improv principles. And I think yeah, at the end of the day, the improv just teaches you how to be. How to human? How to be a human mm. person? Mm-hmm. Because growing up, we unlearn a lot of the core, I think, core values that make us good and kind humans. Mm-hmm. Or I think we learn negative traits. Yeah. Right. The thing I wanted to say, Nordensi, you perfectly said it already. So I just wanted to zoom in a bit into this one game. Actually, that's the very first thing we did mm-hmm. in our very first class in level one, if Mia will remember. Mm-hmm. It's this simple game called Zip Zap Zop. And it's weird because, you know, it's just a simple game like what Mia said. Uh, you just say, you say a name, you say zip. And then that person will say another name, say zap. And then that person will chain Zop. And then it goes around. And then it sounds silly and it sounds pointless. But actually, the goal of that game is to encourage you to always be present in the moment. Because and to you, interact with people you don't know. To interact with people you don't know. That's one. But you always also have to be ready. Because the moment somebody says, Mia Zop. You know, you have to know where are we in the chain? 
who passed mm-hmm. it to me? Who am I gonna pass it off to? So it's an exercise in being present. And Renzi actually said this mm-hmm. uh, earlier. Maybe just to share a very short anecdote. For example, Renzi and I, no, we we will have dinner. I think most of the time we're always tempted, and it happens sometimes. I'm guilty of that sometimes. Renzi's guilty of that sometimes too, where you're in front of each other, but you're actually fiddling with your phone because I'm answering mm-hmm. an email or she's answering a text from a colleague or planning out what to buy from Shopee or or <laughs> what to order for the you know for the That's next. That's what day. I was doing earlier. <laughs> Ayan, so you know all of these things. You know, it's so tempting because even when you work, even when I'm working, I'm typing a document. It's so tempting to just jump on YouTube and watch a basketball highlights video. Or while the boss is giving instructions, it's so easy to space out. That's a simple exercise, zip, zap, zop, of staying in the moment, being ready, being focused. And I think just, you know, to wrap this up, I think both of you mentioned that you felt refreshed after a two-hour session. I think it's because in order to be an effective improviser, you have to always be in the moment. You have to be focused. You can't be answering an email in the background. You can't be looking at your phone because otherwise it won't work. It will just all fall apart and you're responsible. You know, you feel that sense of responsibility to your partner. Now you want to be a good scene partner. And I guess that's something we don't get enough of nowadays. Places where you can just focus on that one thing. And so, you know, one last point on this. So as much as I can, I think like 80 to 90% of the time, if I'm having dinner with my wife, my beautiful wife who is in this call, then I'll try not to do anything else but talk to her about her day. I'm also wondering, like considering that you both, again, have completely different jobs, how do you use improv in your day-to-day life together? Like aside from being present and being intentional and focused, can you give us an example of how did improv help you as a couple? I think for us, we just have a shared type of humor. I guess like a lot of times we bond by like watching improv videos, watching improv shows, sharing improv tips with each other. Like for example, this morning I had an improv rehearsal session with with my team, who's who's in the U.S. Like everyone's everyone's American except me, but I just met them all through Zoom, and you know after that session I like I, I tell Glenn all about like the scenes I I did, and like even after our improv classes, we we actually just keep laughing about the scenes that mm-hmm. we created. Yeah, I guess for me, it's just having that shared interest mm-hmm. is really important because like Glenn and I have very different hobbies. And so we enjoy when we have overlaps. Like for example, he plays a guitar, I sing. So it's a special moment. It's so some of those special moments are when we, you know, when Glenn decides to bring out his guitar and we we sing together. So improv so that's is your yes another moment you sing. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yes. exactly. Uh, so improv is that to us as well. And apart from yes and, I think the corollary there is don't negate. That's the other rule, right? If somebody creates something in your scene, well, it's not it's not just your positive duty to acknowledge it and add to it. It's also your corollary duty na don't don't knock it down, right? What they hard 
you know, worked hard on or at least built or offered to you. And I guess just being a bit more abstract here, you mentioned me and you're correct that we have different interests apart from the, you know, small overlaps. We have different careers. And for most of our relationship, we are in different geographical places. Uh, Renzi lived in the UK, in Hong Kong, in Bukidnon, she mentioned, in New York. She was there ahead of me. But I think the important part if you have two very different people is to just have that principle of don't negate each other. Mm-hmm. Renzi, she, if she wants to try out, you know, accept a job abroad, if she wants to try out a new hobby, go into a new industry, I don't negate. Or even in the, you know, microcosmic example, if I say, Ren, I'm going to go out with my friends and we're going to play pub quiz tonight. She doesn't negate because... You know, we we both support each other mm-hmm. in the sense that that, but of course, you don't abuse, right? Mm-hmm. Because it has to be a give and take. So there's the practical and there's the abstract application of our yes and and our don't negate. And you know, so far it's been working. Right, right. So I think I got what I got from what you said, Glenn, is to really communicate with your partner. Like even if you're single, like me, I'm single. <laughs> you really have to communicate. Advertisement. Advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> to all our single friends. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with being single. Yeah, there's it's nothing wrong fun. with being single. Yeah. It's both fun to be single and to be Yes, married. agree, agree. Yeah. And with communicating, it's not just about having a partner and that's where you're able to apply communication. Actually, communication is a skill that you can learn every single day. Communication for me is not just talking. It's not words. It's not speaking. But rather... It also includes nonverbal cues, like body language, right? Mm-hmm. Being present in the moment. Like you would be able to know someone is present if they're looking at you in the eyes and they're nodding. And at mm-hmm. the same time, they're able to add to the conversation or continue on with the conversation, right? Same as improv. You have right. to be able to be in the moment. You have to know where the situation is, the circumstance, the role that you're playing in order for you to add to the story. because. You don't have to be a completely different person when you do improv. Because one of the things that I've discovered in improv was instead of me thinking that I should be a different person, it's more of me being able to know what I'm capable of, right? It's not about the character, but what I'm able to bring to the table, what I'm able to express in myself from my own experience in life. Like, how can I add more to the story in my own way. Like, how can I twist it in such a way that I can add my own taste in it, right? It's right. not because I must, I look different from the character that I'm playing. Hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that I can't play that character. It's more of, how can I play this character in such a way that I know best on how to play it? <laughs> right. Like, no, that's, that's interesting because remember our two classmates and I'm going to shout them out right now because we're still teammates. <laughs> if you remember Ginny and Ina yeah, from yeah. our <laughs> class in L1, we still meet every Wednesday and, and we, we take our classes together. And mm-hmm. we have a nickname for the two of them. They're the Titas, the Mars. <laughs> because they, they, you know, basically, there's nothing wrong with they playing yourself. They have a connection, yourselves. right? They have a, yeah. yeah. Playing yourselves mm-hmm. and... I'm not saying that it's wrong to be different, it's wrong to play yourself, but mm-hmm. their best characters is 
you know, if if they're playing a different version of, you know, a version of themselves that's in that scene. And it's super funny. They get all the laughs and all the the, the accolades in, mm-hmm. in our shows. And it's super fun to see your teammates do well. Mm-hmm. And having generate fun. Generate laughs. Right? And having fun. And being themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, right. you know, it's not scary. It's yeah. It's good to be yourself too, right? Yeah. Which is why I said at the start that it's an expressive art form for every person. Because um, we're all unique and we all have our own unique experiences, mm-hmm. unique past, uh, unique dreams. And all of these um, you can draw from because there's such a thing as truth in comedy. I'm sure you've heard that term. So when we do improv, we're always playing versions of ourselves or versions of the people we know or a, a, a mix and match of, of those. So usually every person who comes into improv will inevitably develop a unique style of their own mm-hmm. and will inevitably be able to add something new to the scene just by being you. So for me, it's, it's, it's also nice because you get to celebrate yourself you get to celebrate your uniqueness and you feel seen actually because sometimes like in everyday life we feel like we're just ordinary people and mm-hmm. i think we're we're all trained that we're nothing until we're great right because of mm-hmm. all these um corporate stuff about like forbes 30 under 30 th- those kinds of things like awards and everything so we tend to end up feeling like we're nothing unless we get an award unless we're recognized by all these these award-giving bodies, but in improv, like everyone's special, really. Mm. And that's not just showbiz kind of thing that I'm saying. It, it really is. So, I mean, if you've tried improv or if you want to try it, that's something that every person will find out eventually, that improv mm. is a safe space. Mm. In improv, like everyone's unique, everyone's special, and you're valued, really, in any improv setting. Yeah, that's a very beautiful message to share and see. What is one word or sentence that you would want to encourage everyone to try today? I encourage everybody to put down your phone and stay in the moment when you're at dinner with your friend or your partner or your parents or your pet. Um, Just to explain again, improv rewards being in the moment, being present for your partner, not spacing out, not negating, knowing what's asked of you in the situation. And I think in this hyper-connected world that we live in, it's so easy to space out and be somewhere else when you're physically there with somebody who is in your family or special to you or even just a friend. So I encourage everybody to apply that improv principle to your dinner. And if you've had dinner, tomorrow's lunch. Be kinder to yourself. That's the main thing I learned from improv. You made a mistake. So what? You failed. So what? So that's what I learned from improv. It's like we're always hard on ourselves when we make mistakes or when we fail. But to be honest, like in the in the grand scheme of things, really we're just specks of dust in this whole universe, multiverse. So I mean, 10 years down the line, even just five years, even just a year later, you won't even be thinking about that. So, so just be kinder to yourself. And um, I, I, I'm reminded of this shirt that I that I saw somewhere. What's written there is: sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and then the lose is slashed out, and then they replace it with learn. So sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. 
Because even if you lose, quote-unquote, you still learn. So, so in the end, you still win. <laughs> okay, this is, well, totally unrelated. But since I'm the executive director of Cartwheel Foundation, I hope you check it out. We have, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on LinkedIn, and we have a website. So it's just called Cartwheel like gymnastics, Cartwheel Foundation, Inc. So we provide preschools to under-resourced um, indigenous people's communities. I mean, when you provide preschools, you provide uh, venues for people to come together and to organize. So usually that's the start of greater things. So I hope you check it out. And if you, you're not yet supporting a nonprofit, I hope you support us by either volunteering your time or your treasure. So for me, try a teaser class in an improv school. Uh, usually most improv schools, like here in the Philippines, third world improv, where we are currently continuing to learn from, me and Renzi, they have teaser slash intro classes, which you can do for free. I mean, even if you don't have any plans of enrolling for a whole semester, at least you've been able to try the joy of improv even for two hours. And that's better than zero. All right, thank you, Renzi and Glenn, for sharing those wisdom with us. Hope to see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for your time on listening to this podcast. I hope you gained a lot of insight from it. And if you find this podcast helpful, please do share it with your loved ones or to those you think that needs to hear this. I would appreciate it so much if you leave a review via voice message to anchor.fm slash encourage to try with Mia or you can send me a DM through the podcast Instagram account at encourage to try with Mia. See you on the next episode. Bye.